Hello and welcome to the Week 10 Football Outsiders Coach Ranking Show. I'm Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst here at Football Outsiders. And joining me as he does every week is my co-host, Vince Verhey, Football Outsiders Assistant Editor. Today, we've got some big news. We've got a new coaching situation for the Indianapolis Colts uh, fresh this week. We're going to check in on the CCI rankings at the halfway-ish point uh, of the season and look ahead to some Week 10 matchups as well. Before we do, just want to remind you about Underdog Fantasy. Come play with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Some of those season-long leagues could be getting a little stale with teams maybe not doing well. You've got some uh, injuries, but Underdog does still have other user-friendly game formats to spice up all the action. They've got a Battle Royale, which is a a quick six-round best ball style draft. Gives you simpler chances to win than you have in traditional daily fantasy sites or their pick'em games, which you, where you can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, basically building out a parlay of prop bets for players. And you can do that even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around, so join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. Now, I mentioned at the top of that preview, the big story that we've got this week, Frank Reich is fired. He's out as head coach of the Indianapolis Colts just two weeks after changing quarterbacks, one week after firing the offensive coordinator, he's gone. Last week, Vince, I asked if you thought he could make it through 2023. You weren't too confident in that, and you were right. But, man, I don't think any of us expected this firing to come just a week later. Yeah, last week we were doing a show talking about scapegoat season and uh, how the Colts had fired offensive coordinator Marcus Brady, and I said that's usually kind of the the, the last uh, desperate chance for a head coach to try to keep his job, and it didn't work. So uh, Marcus Brady gone, a week later Frank Reich is gone, and I have been watching football a long time, uh, since the, the, the late 1980s is when I really started paying attention, and I've seen a lot of bad teams and a lot of bad coaches and a lot of coaches fired midseason. I don't remember a coach being fired in the middle of the year in such a bizarre manner. Uh, the, the, a circus started and the clowns came out of the, of the, of the car and uh, uh, started uh, running this show, apparently. Um, Frank Reich kind of got a raw deal in that, you know, he was hired in 2018 to coach Andrew Luck and he only got to coach Andrew Luck for one year. And then the Colts never again really got him a quarterback, a, long, a long-term quarterback to build around. He had one year Jacoby Brissett. Couple of years of Philip Rivers, one year of Carson Wentz, and this you know four games or five games, whatever it was, of Matt Ryan. Uh, they never, you know, it was always we'll get this guy to plug this gap for right now and solve this problem next year. It's been half a decade of this now, uh, so it really feels like uh, Reich is more of a victim of a team building plan than necessarily a bad football coach. I don't expect him to be unemployed for long. I think he's going to take uh, two months here and clear his head and enjoy the holidays, which football coaches don't often get get to do, and then probably have his pick of a new job uh, sometime early in 2023. Yeah, I know a lot of people, especially Colts fans that I know, were unhappy, especially with the play calling in that offense. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, even when he was healthy, uh, you know, wasn't doing too great. The offensive line isn't what it once was. Uh, but to your point. He's a very well-regarded head coach, uh, probably won't be unemployed long. Do you think, um, to your, and along the lines you're saying, kind of got a raw deal here, do you think they should have kept him a little bit longer or uh, and maybe tried to get him a quarterback, a better quarterback through the draft or in the offseason uh, this year other than a guy who's at the end of his career like Matt Ryan? Or are you kind of okay with them kind of starting over, uh, from the, I guess, from a football perspective here? Well, I, I I stand by what I just said about it being a raw deal. This this is a franchise that feels like it needed to blow everything up. 
Uh, just cut ties with everything and start fresh. And, uh, you know, the, 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 they've been trying, they, they were building around Andrew Luck, and then he suddenly retired, and they have been trying to kind of hang on to what was left of that team now ever since. Uh, it was 2018, and they're still really building the Andrew Luck Colts, and he's not coming back, everybody. So um, they, needed, they needed to hit reset. They needed to hit the refresh button. Uh, and so Reich is kind of a victim of circumstances there, but things are not going well. And, and, and he is the head coach and it's fair to, uh, hold him responsible for, uh, what's going on on the field. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, 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 the answer is yes. It was, it was time to refresh. It was time for something new and we'll see who that new person ends up being. Cause I don't think it's the long-term answer is going to be Jeff Saturday. <laughs> not not at all and uh one more point on frank reich too you know he it just kind of to that point that we've talked about everyone's talked about he was a well-regarded coach uh, has had some success he was second overall in our coach rankings last year fourth the year before but only 23rd in cci this year he was second and first last year so he really fell off there maybe part of that has to do with the different people he had at quarterback uh this year with matt ryan at quarterback this year and then sam ellinger for one game uh, tied for the second most fourth down errors, tied with Nathaniel Hackett. That's not really a great company you want to be in this no. year. So really rough. But then to your point, as surprising as the quick firing of Frank Reich was, Jim Irsay went out and just shocked the world on, on Monday with his interim hire. Former Colts Pro Bowl and All-Pro center Jeff Saturday, named interim head coach, no prior head coaching experience aside from three years as a high school coach in Georgia from 2017 to 2019. Like I saw, he was 20 and 16, did make the playoffs there all three years, uh, but not a great uh, resume there. Uh, I think they said first head coach in the NFL, or maybe uh, maybe not first ever, but only one uh, in the NFL now that has not coached at the college or NFL level. Maybe the first of all time. I don't remember uh, the exact uh, stat on that, but really surprising hire here. Yeah, uh, I think we said Norm Van Brocklin in like the 1960s was the last NFL head coach hired uh, without any coaching experience. And uh, it was bizarre um <laughs> the, the the uh fever dream of a press conference that jim ursay led introduced announcing announcing this decision and introducing jeff saturday as the new interim coach uh what was a, a, a crazy scene um our our old buddy uh jp acosta has uh put together the list of the dumbest things said at the jim ursay press conference and there was a lot of them um, most relevant to this conversation is when he thought it was an advantage that Jeff Saturday was or had no uh, coaching experience in the NFL because NFL coaches too often lean on analytics, and apparently analytics leads to fear, and fear leads to the dark side. And I don't know where the hell he was going with that. <laughs> but if I'm a Colts assistant, or in fact any other assistant coach for any of the other 31 franchises, I'm taking that as a personal shot. <laughs> That as hard as you are working to, to, to build your resume and climb that coaching ladder and try to get a head coaching job, there's an NFL owner out there who thinks you are wasting your time and you'd be better off coaching some high school nobody's ever heard of before. And that, that's the real way to get an NFL head coaching job. Uh, the decision is even weirder because you look at the Colts staff and even without, well, Reich's obviously fired, but the, even without Marcus Brady, I... Part of me wonders if, 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 if Brady had not been fired, would he be the interim head coach now? I don't know. But they still had Gus Bradley on staff. They still have John Fox on staff. These are men who have run NFL teams before. They weren't the 
most successful teams you ever saw, but they they they, they know how to show up at night, you know, show up at day to day and get things done. Uh, Bubba Ventrone's on staff, a head coaching candidate. Reggie Wayne, if you're looking for some good PR, he's an Indianapolis legend. He's on the staff. You could have promoted any of those guys, but no, no, you went and hired a coach who is not a coach, and uh, it's 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 very strange. Yeah, I think going after someone who's not coached, you know, Peyton Manning <laughs> would have probably would be the first call if you're going outside of the organization like that. Not sure if he would have would have taken it, but still, I don't know if he made that call, but that seems. Uh, to make a little bit more sense than Jeff Saturday. No slight at Jeff Saturday either, personally, but just you would think Peyton Manning, uh, the way he knows the game, watching him on those uh, the the Monday Night Football with him and, him and Eli, you'd think he'd be a great choice to come step in and help out, especially with Sam Ellinger, you know, a, a second-year quarterback just kind of thrown in the fire last week. Peyton was always like a coach on the field, and I kind of always thought he would get into coaching when he was done. And uh, he's obviously gone another direction and uh, shows no inclination towards getting back to the sidelines. But um, there's a very, very short list of great players who turned out to be, turned out to be great coaches, too. Uh, and that's for all sports. It's like uh, Larry Bird, and uh, that may be the end of the list. Um, it's, it's hard for, for, for great athletes to appreciate that what they did was special, and they often uh, uh, assume that everyone else can follow the, their lead and follow the direction and do the same thing. There was a story a long time when uh, Michael Jordan was making himself coach of the Wizards, or uh, I'm sorry, the uh, uh, the Charlotte NBA team, whatever they're called now. Um, but uh, like he was trying to show players how to do a certain technique. They were like, Mike, we can't do that. We're not Michael Jordan. And it was hard for him to grasp that. So um, who knows if Peyton would, want, would, would have been a good, good coach. I think uh, if he wanted to, he would have started down that path he's perfectly happy watching tv in his basement and making fun of his brother for three hours a week i think that i think that's a pretty good gig he's got absolutely and some of those guys to your point as well pro athletes are so good uh they it just comes so naturally to them it's hard like you said for them to teach it and to explain how to do it they just yeah. kind of know how to do it and they're like hey this is what you do and they're watching and they're like like you said can't do that <laughs> you know we're not you so uh it is tough there but we'll see how jeff saturday does uh here sometimes you see those those teams come out with an interim coach and come out on fire, get a little, they're a little rejuvenated there and get a win or two, but uh, time will tell. Uh, one other question here, maybe looking at potential replacements moving forward. No, every year at the end, there's a handful of offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators that are thrown out there. Is there a guy here that you think maybe it's best? And is this still a, a desirable job? I mean, the off offensive line isn't what it was a couple of years ago, but They've got a pretty decent young core there with Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, good running back receiver, some good pieces on the defense as well, it seems like. BetOnline.ag, and I'll be honest, I don't know what that is or even what a .ag is, but I found them on Twitter and they have a list up. Uh, they currently have Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka as the favorite for the Colts okay. job at 7-2 odds. Uh, other top candidates they list, there's Greg Roman, uh, the offensive coordinator from Baltimore. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, D.C. and San Francisco. Kellen Moore is running Dallas's offense. Uh, Byron Left, which was a hot candidate for a lot of years for Tampa Bay. His stock has fallen because the yep. Bucks have uh, kind of stumbled on hard times this year. And uh, I'm also wondering if maybe this is the year Eric Bieniemy finally gets his chance. Mm -hmm. um, he's been running Kansas City's offense for many, many years now. And as you are probably aware, Kansas City gets a lot of points every year. And uh, that's usually the kind of thing that leads to an offensive coordinator getting a, a chance at a head job somewhere. So that's a list of some of the names. Any, any, if I was going to pick one of those right now, as we're sitting here in early November, you know, 
two months before the hiring hiring the interviews are actually begin even uh be a total shot in the dark but i think when we answered this uh as the staff pick uh for, for the nfl staff picks earlier this year um i just simply said D'Amico ryan's would be the most fun and i don't know if he'd be the best pick i don't know if he's the correct pick but i think he would be the most fun pick for a head coaching candidate job and uh he'd be the most fun pick that indianapolis could hire yeah, only time will tell. Actually, I still got a couple months till interviewing begins. Uh, one more question, kind of on the, this coach topic here with Frank Reich. Uh, we talked last week about who maybe would be the next position coach or the offensive coordinator, defense coordinator to be let go in scapegoat season. Is there a coach you think could be uh, here next on the horizon to be fired in the next week or two? Or you think it's going to be a little bit longer into the season? There is no like Urban Meyer left now that Matt rules out. Um, there's really no one like that. It seems with. Like Dan Campbell, uh, some people are unhappy there. He's in his second year now, but again, just his second year there. Uh, so is there a name that you're kind of looking at you think could come up or we're going to have to wait a little bit longer this year? I don't think anything is imminent. Um, we're, we've talked about um, Nathaniel Hackett kind of all year, literally since his first game, about what a horrible decision maker he has been. And uh, there's no other things that have gone a lot better for Denver since then. Um, so if I, if I was going to pick the name most likely to be next, it would be him. Uh, Lovey Smith in Houston. Um, they're down to a, a one six one record after that opening day tie. Um, things aren't going well there either, and, and it always felt like he was only hired uh, until they could uh, move on to Josh McCown, which felt like their long term goal. Uh, now that Jack Easterby's out the window, I'm not sure how relevant that still is. But uh, you know, they have the worst record in the league, and teams with the worst record in the league fire their coaches more often than not. Um, the other one that might be a candidate is, is the Las Vegas Raiders at two and six and Josh McDaniels. Um, I was pessimistic on the Raiders coming into this year. I, I was pretty confident they'd be last place in this division and they are, but I, even I thought they'd be better than this. Um, so, uh, there's three candidates. They're all in the AFC. Uh, I, and the, uh, uh, you know, Panthers already fired, fired rule who was the top NFC guy, but. Uh, if I'm picking an NFC guy, Campbell's there, although I bet he survives the year. Honestly, at this point, I still bet he gets a year three, although that he better deliver that year. Um, I guess it would be Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, because that team looks like a sinking stone. Um, but they also just extended him you know, this offseason. So um, that, that that's going to be a hard one to reset. But those are a few of the names to watch for. Um, Steelers are two and six, but it's Mike Tomlin. You know, they're going to fire Mike Tomlin. Um, there's, there's no one else here that's jumping out at me as a, as someone who's coaching for their job. And it would be Mike Tomlin's first ever season under 500 uh, yep. this year. So I can't imagine, like you said, can't imagine he will be let go, uh, for one bad year this year, but, uh, to a lot of these teams too, I think it's a little bit more difficult because as bad as some of these teams are the way the NFL is this year, so many of these teams are still two or three games out of a playoff spot, yeah. which can the save a two job. games out of the playoffs. <laughs> So the, the, the Colts can be the back in the playoff field by like, well, not Thanksgiving, but by December. And that their next game is against one of those you just mentioned, Josh, uh, Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. So things could go from bad to worse for Josh McDaniels if they lose that one uh, with Jeff. If Sackett. they lose this week, he's the, he may not uh, uh, go to the office Monday morning. We may <laughs> be talking about it the end. <laughs> so we will see that that'll kind of wraps up our, our talk of uh, Frank Reich, which again is just the biggest story of the week especially with this being a co-tranking show. Uh, Going to move on to something we cover a lot when there is a big upset. The upset of the week was the Jets over the Bills. They held Buffalo. New York did to their lowest point total of the year, just 17 points. Josh Allen threw a couple interceptions, no touchdowns. He did have one rushing touchdown. 
Vince, what did you see from the Jets' defense that enabled them to slow down the Bills in this one? Those those interceptions I mentioned, were those just purely bad decisions by Allen or some good scheming from Robert Sala in New York? Uh, the first one he threw, and uh, there's a Any Given Sunday column by uh, Kale Clinton up at footballoutsiders.com breaking all this down. The first one he threw was just a terrible throw. Uh, he threw it right to a wide-open defender. There was no receiver in sight. I can't tell you what he was thinking about on that one. The second one is not quite clear what happened. It was also thrown right to a defender, but it looks like the receiver may have run the right, wrong route. Maybe been a miscommunication issue, but uh, it's less what or what the Jets did from an X's and O standpoint, and more just Josh Allen played a very bad game. And uh, I don't know if we're allowed to use profanity on this show, but Allen was cursing himself out after the game. He was well aware that he played like something bad, and uh, he let everyone know it. And he needs to play better, and that, that's true. Uh, now, as far as far as what the Jets did. Uh, it's not super complicated. Um, they did shut down Allen a, uh, a lot. The two interceptions were a season high. Uh, he only completed 18 to 34 passes. That's basically tied for a season low. He was sacked five times. That's a season high. Only six yards per throw. That's almost a season low right there with the Ravens game. And, uh, what they really did, uh, the Justice was just playing lots of man coverage across the board. And their cornerbacks beat Buffalo's receivers. Uh, Stephon Diggs had five catches for 93 yards, which sounds pretty good. But 42 were on one play, so he was pretty quiet aside from that one. Uh, Gabriel Davis, only two catches for 33 yards. Isaiah McKenzie, two for 12. So Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed and company were playing their butts off and uh, making lots of plays and kicking the Bills receivers' ass, frankly. And, uh, and then the Jets were also winning up front, so... Um, it's not a, a, a super complicated scheme that I saw them playing. It was just executing better than the other team across the board. It's and it seems that a lot of times uh, it is that, that way, you know, one game in the NFL, the you know, team can, can come out and beat the best team in the league. And the jets we've talked about, uh, a lot, a lot of people talk about, they have a very good record kind of resurgence, maybe not as good as their, their record, but they showed it uh, this weekend and that, uh, that defense there is sitting now at sixth in DVOA through yep. nine weeks. Yep. Maybe a surprise to some people, but FO projections had them projected for seventh. Uh, so that was, this was one that was a surprise to a lot of people. We said, hey, this could be a top 10 defense. Uh, a lot of, you mentioned those starting cornerbacks, and they had a lot of guys who were thrown into the fire last year that are very good depth options for them yep. as well that, that right. played as rookies. So really not uh, – it, it's not a thing where – um, it's a total surprise that they came out and got this win. It is a surprise. It was an upset. Uh, but the way that defense is playing it and the way we expected it, um, it they kind of played to their expect or played to our expectations of them and have been so far this season. Yeah, no, this is this is not a fluke. This is not a mirage. Um, this is you know the Jets are gonna be a good team. And like you say, it's an upset. If they were playing again this week, I would still pick the Bills to win. I don't think you're gonna see many weeks where Josh Allen makes more dumb mistakes than Zach Wilson. <laughs> but uh, but there's still that element uh, of Josh Allen in there. You know, he he was uh, we we were not high on him at all as a prospect coming out of Wyoming, and uh, he was terrible as a rookie, and better, but still bad, still a bad starter in his second year, and then his third year was the one where he was great and would have won MVP in a lot of seasons. Um, but he's kind of, he hasn't hit that level since. He's still got the highlights and. You know, all everyone talks about is the the, the great shootout he had with uh, Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs last year. And he was great in the playoffs last year. But before that, he lost to Urban Meyer and the Jaguars at one point by a 9-6 final. Um, 
and he's you know he's got games like this, and he and he wasn't very good. You know, uh, the the second half of uh, uh, last week's game it was it was Green Bay, and um, the the Bills won comfortably, but he had a big halftime lead, and they kind of coasted. So Allen was not very good in the second half of that game, but, but it kind of flew under the radar because the Bills still won by a lot. But this is six quarters in a row now where he's been. Well, bad. I was going to say iffy, but he hasn't been iffy. He has been outright bad now for his last six quarters in a row. I expect to turn that around, but uh, if he doesn't, and if this uh, injury he apparently has suffered is going to be a major deal, these Bills suddenly have a lot of question marks, and that's going to open the door for the rest of the AFC. Yeah, Case Keenum is the backup there. Uh, Josh Allen did it with a sprained elbow, I believe they said, a UCL injury, uh, which is, uh, I'm pretty sure is the injury that typically results in Tommy John for baseball players, uh, is right. that, uh, that UCL. So it'll be tough. Uh, like you said, it, go, going from Josh Allen to Case Keenum, uh, is a pretty big drop off the way Allen has played the last couple of years. Uh, so we'll see, but we, we saw Case Keenum have that magical year in Minnesota. Hasn't ever been able to replicate that over the last few years, but I guess you could say with a good team, he's got the potential in him possibly to step in and fill in pretty well. But hopefully Allen doesn't have to miss any time for the sake of, of the NFL and fans watching that. Yeah. Uh, but we'll have to be a lot better. So moving now to our just kind of a half. I mentioned we're at the halfway-ish point of the season through week. Well, I guess we are halfway through week nine. I keep forgetting it's an 18-week schedule now. Yeah. Uh, 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 every team – excuse me, uh, that's not true uh, – Exactly half of the games on the NFL schedule have been played to this point. And I don't even know what they did on a purpose, but I read that and uh, I was like, oh, that, that's very impressive considering it is a 17-game schedule. That's hard to do, but they pulled it off. Yep, got exactly half of them. So we're going to look now with each team having played at least eight games. Some of them are at nine with some bye weeks still yet to come. Look at the CCI rankings. We visited these just a few weeks ago, uh, but only seven coaches have a positive net win probability gain on fourth downs, meaning they've picked up more in win probability with their good decisions, which is mostly decisions to go for it, than they've lost on their errors. This isn't really uncommon that it's only seven. Uh, the, the model is, I don't want to say super aggressive, but it is a little bit more aggressive in the fact uh, using the underlying numbers and the data and statistics over time and the way it works uh, to be a little bit more aggressive and thinks teams should go for it more often than they should. Uh, and there's an argument for that, but not uncommon to see only seven up up uh, over that uh, or in the green, if you will. Dan Campbell is now number one. We, we just talked about him uh, probably making it to year three, uh, almost a half a game gained in win probability so far. Cliff Kingsbury is next. Sean McDermott, Nick Sirianni. And Kevin Stefanski all uh, between about a third and a fifth of a game gain. Ron Rivera's at sixth, and then Doug Peterson both very close to zero at uh, .02, so about two percent over uh, over the, the break even mark. Top coaches pretty much the same we had a few weeks ago. Dan Campbell did jump from fourth to first. One that kind of stood out to me is Ron Rivera because we've kind of talked about him a couple times and mentioned him in passing as. Used to be known as Riverboat Ron. It seems like he's gone a little bit more conservative lately. Again, only just over zero, but still he's around the middle of the pack with seven good goes uh, or good decisions to go for it. But middle of the pack in errors. He kind of stands out to me. Doug Peterson, I don't think, is any surprising given his history, though. Yeah, if you're you're paying attention to this, most of these names are expected. Uh, You mentioned Riverboat Ron and uh, Doug Peterson, the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl, was going for it on fourth down all the time. People don't always remember this, but the Philly Special – in the Super Bowl, was on fourth and goal right before halftime. So if Nick Foles drops that pass in the end zone, 
they get no points, and then you don't even get the benefit of getting the ball back again in good field position. So that, that, that was a huge gamble at the time. So the, the, these are guys who have mostly been uh, very aggressive. And then, you know, Nick Sirianni, we're still, we're still, we're still learning about him. But it looks like he's uh, on the aggressive side. The name here that sticks out to me, because no one ever talks about it, is Sean McDermott. But the Bills go for it on a fourth down all the time, but they usually convert. And no one ever talks about coaches when they go for fourth down and get it. It's only the fourth downs that fail where coaches get roasted. Because, uh, I don't know, people don't pay attention to things they should be, pay, should be paying attention to. But uh, Sean McDermott's a good coach. The Bills are a good team. They win a lot of games. And they go for it on a fourth down all the time. Sean McDermott and Bill Belichick had that game last year. Uh, I think the second game that they played in the regular season, not the windy one, where they each went for it like four times. The Bills converted all four. It led to like three touchdowns or converted three of the four, led to three touchdowns, ended up winning that game. So that was a big one, to your point. It kind of goes under the radar because they convert them a lot. And then Doug Peterson, when he was in Philly that the year they won the Super Bowl, I remember the first one that really that stood out to people, and maybe a lot of people didn't notice it, uh, but it was one um, – that a handful of people did because he was asked about it after the game was it was like a fourth and eight at the Giants, I think 41 or 42 before the half went for it, didn't get it. But after the fact, he said, hey, you know, we uh, the number said it was about a half a percent. And that was the year one of the years we were working with the Eagles uh, and they were utilizing our the edge sports model, which is part of uh, champion gaming with football outsiders and edge sports and everything. So. That was really cool, but that's kind of for us what started it. And then he had that whole year of going for it. And the next year was John Harbaugh, who Dom went for it on like every single fourth down with Lamar. Kind of a similar situation. His was so much, and they were so good uh, to Sean McDermott, though they converted, but he got a lot of publicity. But yeah, Sean McDermott doesn't get as much of the publicity for going for it on fourth down, but does a really good job. And at the other end, the bottom five, Dennis Allen is last down there in New Orleans with over half a game lost, win probability. Nathaniel Hackett, Brian Dable, which may be a surprise to some people to see him at the bottom of a list, uh, but this is fourth down decision-making only. Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid. So Andy Reid, we've talked about a couple times, not his usual self when it comes to aggressiveness on fourth downs, usually near the top, but he has jumped from last place that last time we checked in, I think week seven. And then Nathaniel Hackett has dropped to 31st after being outside the bottom five. He's he's now down there. Things, like you said a moment ago, just are not going right for Denver, but... Um, Maybe the most surprising on that list, I think, is Andy Reid, which we've talked about before. Uh, Andy Reid, yeah, he's usually been pretty pretty aggressive, and he has not been this year. And I, I know we talked about this before, but the remember when the Colts beat the Chiefs? It was only like a few weeks ago. <laughs> this has happened. This is a real thing. I'm not making this up. And uh, one of the plays in that game was uh, uh, it was a fake field. It was a fake field goal or a fake punt on like fourth and twelve. It was a bizarre, bizarrely aggressive play call, and and they went with the, the fake special teams play instead of, instead of just letting Patrick Mahomes throw. But yeah, other than that, he's been very conservative this year. But I'm actually most surprised by Brian Dable, and uh, he's another first year coach, so we didn't know how he would really go into this. But the Giants have won most of their games uh, uh, because they're they're running a lot. Uh, with Saquon Barkley having a good year, and even more so, Daniel Jones is having a big year running the ball. And a mobile quarterback on fourth and short, you know, if, it, if you're not by the goal line, um, that's almost impossible to defend because you, you have to crowd the line and guard against the sneak and all that. But then you miss the chance he, he, he drops back or fakes a play and rolls out. You got to cover the, the flats, and then he can still throw. So you got to have guys covering downfield, and you got it's it, it's. 
so hard to stop a, a good mobile quarterback from getting one yard when he really needs it. And they have they have a mobile quarterback. I'm still not convinced how good he is. But uh, you would think a guy who has nothing to lose this year is playing with house money. Uh, you'd think he would be more aggressive than that. But then again, as we talked about before, the Giants, like the Vikings this year, are winning a lot of games just by stepping to the side and letting opponents make mistakes and beat themselves. And uh, that has been their M.O., and has worked more often than not. So um, I don't think we're going to see it change very much between now and the end of the year. Yeah, they're, they're, all their one-score games maybe could have been two-score games or maybe not as close if they'd been a little bit more aggressive. But to your point, they, they're winning the games. They're not hurting themselves. They're not making mistakes. So maybe he doesn't trust them to get it and, and is trusting the rest of that team. But one that is a little surprising to me, actually, looking at this a little bit more, Dennis Allen uh, having coached say, there with yeah. Sean Payton, how aggressive he kind of Payton kind of fell off the last year or so. I think or last or whatever his last year was two years ago, I believe. Um, or no, last year was his last year. Uh, kind of fell off a little bit. Was near the bottom in our CCI rankings, but for the most part was really aggressive. So it's a little surprising that Dennis Allen didn't kind of pick up on that and, and move forward and, and stay aggressive now as a head coach. I was just talking about how uh, mobile quarterbacks are so hard to defend in short yardage, and uh, the Saints still have and still regularly use Taysom Hill, and the <laughs> only that's he he seems like a guy you would only want to bring in on third and one or fourth and one, um, and he he is a threat to throw. You can't just ignore receivers. Uh, he can he's a big strong dude. He can barrel over defenders if given the chance, and he's. He's got speed and mobility. He's not just a sneak guy. He can get to the outside. That's a weapon they have that, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they're not using Taysom Hill to his full potential. You know? And uh, it was different when they had Drew Brees or even uh, the early part of last year when Jameis Winston was playing well, um, when the offense was clicking. And, and you, you have, you know, I'd rather have Drew Brees throwing than Taysom Hill running. Don't get me wrong. But... Things are not going well in New Orleans this year. It's kind of a mess. Uh, Michael Thomas is apparently, you know, who knows if we'll ever see him in a Saints uniform again. Uh, Alvin Kamara's been hurt. So you, you would think they lean more into their Swiss Army knife. And instead, they've kind of just uh, left him on the shelf for, for more often than not. Yeah, had a, a rough day. I think only had uh, one target, didn't catch it, one rush, and maybe a passing attempt uh, on Monday night. Hard to, used him hardly at all, and they, they had fallen behind. Um, but we'll see, can't imagine it. Like at this point in the season, uh, to your point, a lot of these guys aren't going to turn around. Like this is kind of who they are, at least for this season. They may adopt a different strategy later, uh, for the following year. But at this point, a lot of these guys are going to, going to stay near the bottom or stay near the top, um, uh, in terms of, of these rankings and the CCI rankings, because it takes a lot of really good games going forward on every fourth down to kind of move up quite a bit in those rankings. So uh, this is will probably be it, but we'll still we'll check in and, and keep an eye on how those coaches are doing and see if anyone does make a big jump. Now we'll move on to the last portion of our show, as we always do, the part of the show where we look forward to the weekend's matchups. Uh, those that we're looking forward to best, uh, mostly from a coaching perspective, but doesn't necessarily have to be. So Vince, which matchup are you most looking forward to coming up here in week 10? So usually when you're looking forward to a, Colts, uh, a coaching matchup, it's uh, about wh whose X's and O's can beat the other guys or how certain teams will adjust to injuries or or uh, will they adjust their game plan to take away another team, super, another team superstar player. My most anticipated coaching matchup this week is Colts Raiders. I don't see how it can be anything other than Colts Raiders because, again, 
the Colts are going into this game with a coach who is not a coach. Uh, Jeff Saturday is theoretically in charge. Their play caller is going to be somebody named Parks Frazier, which sounds like a sitcom mashup where Leslie Note meets Frazier Crane. Anything is on the table here. Will the Colts show up to the right stadium? I don't know. Will they be wearing the right uniforms? I don't know. Will they have the offense and defense out in the field at the same time, like in Top Gun Maverick? I don't know. Anything is possible. Anything wacky could happen here. Yeah, and looking at the Colts, they are, uh, what, I think 2-0 and against the AFC West. You mentioned that win against the Chiefs. The, they've got the win against the Broncos. Now facing the Raiders, it's an uphill battle there with the, the coaching situation they have. Uh, but we talked about, too, Josh McDaniels, uh, things not going too well for the Raiders this year. The Colts and Raiders was good, was my pick as well. I had a feeling you are going to pick it, so I had a backup, too. Uh, another one, Chargers at 49ers on Sunday Night Football. The Chargers are banged up, we know. They ended up getting the win last week, but had a little bit of a rough go there with, um, with the Falcons. I expected a lot more out of them. It's really Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, and that's about all the offense has, it seems. Um Josh Palmer, DeAndre Carter there. Palmer had a pretty good game, but as you know, Keenan Allen can't get can't get back on the field. Mike Williams is out for a while. So going up against a tough 49ers defense uh, coming off a of bye, uh, I think it's going to be a tough game for them. I think uh, the Chargers can do it. Again, uh, Justin Herbert's a great quarterback, and some of those receivers aren't the, aren't the greatest. They're not the big names, but they can do it. So I'm interested to see how the Chargers come out uh, offensively against that 49ers defense and then i just want to see more of christian mccaffrey he had the huge game before the bye want to see how they continue to use him i think debo samuel will be back so see how how kyle shanahan uses all those pieces together now with christian mccaffrey with a full workload debo samuel hopefully back in the fold brandon Ayuk, george kittle uh has been back in there a few weeks and having having some good games so really excited to see how they do and just a pretty good matchup there out on the west coast for sunday night football so that'll do it for this week's show. Before we go, again, don't forget, you can get that free $100 from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS, even in states where traditional betting and prop betting is not available. They'll match your deposit up to $100, again, using promo code OUTSIDERS. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe to get NFL betting picks, uh, spread, total, and money line as well as those ranks by confidence and how well our, or how confident our model is based on our projections compared to the lines and the totals. You get some fantasy advice, premium stats and articles, get an ad-free experience, and you get access to all of our data uh, on Monday instead of having to wait until Tuesday of each week. And then last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversation for every game, beginning Thursday night football, uh, going into Sunday's games, and then Monday night football as well. Everyone out there, thanks for watching. Vince, thanks for joining me. We'll see all of you all next week.